Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 59 of the Fresher and Parland show. I am Parlance. And I'm Fresher. Fresher, you're missing a lower third, just to let you know. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot about that. That's all right. I thought I was ready. But well, apparently. I will say, I, I listened to last week's show. You handled some of the things I... You did it really good. You I d- did okay. I definitely wasn't that good. I mean, I was missing I was missing some stuff. But I thought you did a very good job. I hung on to the very last minute because I wanted to hear you plug all of our, our yeah. podcast partners. I remembered I, most of them. I just... I had to go off of the notes from, like, several episodes ago. The only one you missed was Podvocacy, so we'll start off and say Podvocacy. Listen to them; they're good guys. The soon to be the soon to be named network, I believe, is what we're calling it now. That's not bad, I guess. Well, I think it's funny because it sounds like we're going to name it, but we're never going to name it. Um, I know. Well, soon to be named network. So uh, uh, that needs to be. Wait, what's S N S T B N N? Soon to be named network. Yes. <laughs> STBNN? Yes, STBNN. Um, so Catchy. We are uh, back for episode 59. This is a two-week hiatus for me, technically three weeks since the last time you saw this lovely mug. We um, did a very successful show last week, so... Right, and the week before, we, were, I had it, we had the agenda, we had everything on, and then I proceeded to grind a shot glass into my... Uh, <laughs> my Suck. My garbage disposal or waste, whatever you call it, the incinerator in my uh, main kitchen sink, causing it to bust through and leak. And I had to perform essentially emergency plumbing. Um, but you got through it. I got Did through you just it. Call it. An incinerator? Yeah. Is that, that like an incinerator, but in a sink? Incinerator. Like an incinerator, but in a sink. But spelled with the I N sink. S I N K orator, E R A. Cool, never heard that. It's a good term. Um, so yeah, so I put the uh, I had to replace that before I got on a plane and flew to Iceland, um, and uh, of course I everything went wrong in the evening there, uh, but I ended up getting it done uh, early in the morning the next day. So uh, we uh, Jeremy, I'm sorry, fresher. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Uh, he uh he helped me through it so um, I tried. did my best so uh thank you for that i appreciate it but we got it all done all yeah. good yeah uh, <laughs> so let's get right into it uh mr fresher how was your week before i start talking about my wonderful uh, um, it was pretty good also worth mentioning um right now is the tesla um, live thing. They're announcing the power system. I got I got it on the substream over here, but they're late. They were supposed to start at eight thirty. They didn't even start yet. There's a crowd of people who are very impatient looking on their live feed at teslamotors.com. But right. don't go over there because you should watch our show. Yeah, they don't even they don't even do anything yet. Yeah. So frankly, we're already one better than Tesla because yeah. we are we are on time. We are going to deliver as promised. We I could gonna... just like pre-announce their uh, pre-officially announce it because you know it's already been kind of pre-announced. Their power it, thing. It's a home battery system. Is that what it is? Yeah, and commercial that you lease because they're already testing it in California, and apparently it's uh, uh, Elron Musk's um, 
cousin's power solar company who's like pairing it with the solar panels. Got it. The, but uh, uh, first solar or uh, Solar City. So yeah, Solar City. Yeah. But uh, but about my week, I didn't do anything exciting like go snowmobiling or uh, crazy adventures in other countries. But I did go to the um, formerly known Supermall in Auburn, which is now a rebranded as a, uh, what's it called? An outlet mall, which was all right, except for it's dumb. We went on Sunday and they closed at 6. That's so early. 6 p.m.? 6 p.m. Well, it's like Europe. Month. It's like Europe. That's everything closes at 6 in Europe. Yeah. But before that, we went breakfast bowling, which I didn't know was an option. That if you get breakfast at West Seattle Bowl, you totally get two <laughs> two games for free. And the breakfast was actually really good and uh, very affordable. And uh, what was better, your game, your score, or the breakfast? Uh, they were both pretty amazing. So did you, <laughs> so one 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 didn't strike out, is what you're saying? One was they did were not both- strike out. I got a I got a turkey. I think I got at least one turkey, and then uh, that's, uh, that's pretty good. So, uh, so you got at least one. So you either so you say you're going to get multiple. That means you had two, three strikes in a row, or you did three and then four strikes because you could technically get a turkey. No, I didn't get a four banger, but I did get a turkey, and I got several other strikes in various times, including doubles. Sounds like you're a pretty good bowler. What's your uh, what would you say your average score is? I don't know, maybe like, I guess over a hundred, but not like a lot. I was on a bowling... I used to do Saturday morning bowling in Southside Bowl in Scranton. Was it free with breakfast? No, no. it was not free. It was a league thing. And uh, I think my average score when I was like 8 or 9 was 113. Ooh, that's pretty good. I bet I, I'd say that mine is around that. Uh, I think I'm a little bit better now, but uh, back then I was 113. I think my high score ever is, uh, I think, 200 and something. Yeah, me too. I think um, that uh, usually, like when I try to play for a good score, I pretty consistently good. But I usually just like kind of give up halfway and just like try to spin it weird or just do weird throws or whatever. I don't know. It's more fun. <laughs> yeah, I used to uh, in so we used to spend a lot of time at the bowling alley in Scranton growing up and in my teen years, and I perfected a two finger bowling spin technique. Oh yeah, that's the one. That's the one. So, uh, but yeah, uh, by the way, you could reach us live at oh, yeah. Fresh and Par right yeah, now. tweet us, the tweets. Yeah, let us know what's going on. Uh, we'd love to hear it if you have some things you'd like to hear us talk about. We're about to talk about some... We got some topics lined up for y'all. Yeah, we got a lot of good topics to talk about. Y'all so. so, um... Oh, but so like, what else? Oh, I the, um, Emerald Queen Casino also. How was the EQC, as they call it? I had it. never been there. It was, we, there's actually two, and we went to both of them. And one of them is only slot machines that's attached to their hotel, and the other one is the full-on casino. But the facility was, like, pretty decent. It was, like, pretty big. I think that probably Muckleshoot or Tulalip are bigger, or the same size, at least, because people have said that Emerald Queen is, like, really big, but I don't think it's that big. But I thought that the, the clientele there was more ghetto than Tulalip or Muckleshoot is more like hardcore gamblers in my opinion, but definitely not as cool people or like more ghetto people than 
Snoqualmie or Tulalip. Because, you know, it's in Tacoma. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did you did you win any money? I did. I won $30 at Blackjack. Ooh, congratulations. Yeah. I was down $20 on slots, but I won that back plus $30. Speaking of of winning, I won a dollar for you. I won a dollar from you today. I cut into your profits. I'm going to bring that up later in the show. Yeah, because that was in the movie. I was, I didn't hear that part. I guess I just have a cleaner mind than you. (laughs) (laughs) You're not a spy fucker. (laughs) I am not. Um, So uh, I I did uh, I did bring you something for the trip. Oh yeah, I I brought you I brought you this beer, and uh, I have one here as well. So I'm going to pass this. Through magic, through the screen, what? to you. Here you go. Oh, did you get it? <laughs> I missed a part. Okay, got it. I got it. Oh, good. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> so now we both have one. Sweet. This is a Ringness Norwegian beer. Uh, that's probably not how you say it. It's a Pilsner. I don't, I, I'm assuming it's not Ringness. That's not probably how you say it, but it's ring this anyway so we're gonna drink this uh on the show today you ready for this yeah are you going yeah oh oh double all right here we go cheers Cheers. boink boodoop we'll see how this goes (laughs) Hmm. norwegian definitely tastes a little bit like uh the great north the after the aftertaste is pretty good. Like it's more smooth. Tastes like a skunk think. to me. It tastes like a skunk. That doesn't yeah. sound good. I don't know. Maybe mine might be a little skunked. I'm not sure. I think it's just a. You're just a little skunky yourself. I'm a little skunky. So I Burn. look at this. Look at in a glass now. Ooh, that's mean. classy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a classy skunk. That's a classy skunk move. <laughs> uh, not bad. What's your thoughts on it? it? Has a, it's definitely a pilsner. Um, yeah, I, it's it's it has a strong middle, and a light finish. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's definitely drinkable. Yeah, definitely drinkable. I would say that this is. I saw a lot of people drinking this, and this seemed to be the kind of like I would say the Budweiser of of. Yeah, when, I think the only place that I've gone with some sort of really prominent beer like this. Uh, is in Costa Rica. Everyone drinks that. Um, you know which one I mean, right? I know what one you mean, and I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, it was like it was everywhere. That was like the beer. I guess Jamaica was kind of like that with uh, Red Stripe, but not not as much. So in Iceland, they had a plenty of. I actually have. I should have brought them up. Uh, they had a lot of great beers. Actually, sort of Norway, but uh, Iceland has a very big craft beer um, community, just very yeah. similar to Seattle. Um, and, uh, I, I had a, a number, a couple different types of beer there. Um, and, uh, all of them were very good. Uh, very yeah. good. So I the best named one. Did you check uh, them in on uh, untapped? No, I didn't. I didn't. But here's, oh. uh, here's some other liquors I brought back, um, from the trip. So I, I really like Graham's show and tell. So I decided I'm oh, yeah. that as well. I know. He did it. Except for that. I didn't even switch the camera to him at the right time. Some of it. Well, here we can. This is a uh, this is a Icelandic spirit called. Uh, it's like an aquavit. It's called the Brennan. It's Brennivin. Yeah. That. You see that? You can do a shot. 
I'm not gonna. I'm, I was. I was maybe thought I was going to, but I'm you not. But I'll, a little swig. I'll smell it. I'm gonna smell it though. I'll smell it. A little swiggy swig. No, I'm not gonna swig out of it because this is. And by the way, plastic, great for traveling. It's a nice. small little bottle. It's a pretty cool uh, logo. Uh, it smells uh like um almost like a little bit like a anise. Like it has um, like a mouse, like, like, like black licorice, an anise or whatever. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I said anise. It's anise. Um, and then uh, there's this one, which is uh, a Norwegian. Oh, you have multiple? I did not know this. Yeah, see, this one is Linny, which, by the way, Todd was said. Oh, that one's really good. This is also an. Aquavit. That was a good Todd voice, by the way. Uh, nature, it's it's matured at sea in oak sherry cases. Twice across the equator, which oh yeah, I know that's I've never right heard there. of that as like a characteristic for alcohol. Yeah. Check that out. It says twice across the equator. They put that this is, thing. That's on, impressive. They put this thing on a boat in some sherry casks, and then they take it on a thing, and then let's see what. When this I found like. that out, I said they should have one that's like shipwreck, where like you have to sink a ship and then have it at the bottom of the ocean for like some specified amount of time. It's, you know what? Bad. It smells very similar to the Icelandic one. So here are the two. Uh, these are like baby size bottles. I didn't get the big bottles. So they're still um, pretty big. Yeah, they're uh, 500 milliliters, so roughly two thirds of a normal bottle size. Nice. Um, so uh, party of parlances, woo, 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 woo. woo. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I have a bunch of different. You know, I usually bring back a local an ethnic drink when I go. Uh, on these trips, I do have some stuff at my house. So next time you come over, fresher, you could have some. Uh, some we could we could we could take a tour around the world through liquor. Is that a thing still in there? Um, the blueberry beer that I brought over like a million years ago. <laughs> yeah, from Super Bowl like twenty one from nineteen ninety one. Is it still in there? It is still in there. <laughs> no way. That's pretty funny. <laughs> so. Um, Let's let's uh do you want uh, you want to hear some some stuff about Iceland and Norway? Yeah, uh, Iceland yeah. stories. All right, let's, so let's hear some Icelandic lore. So I don't have much about the Icelandic lore because I did not go to the I mean, Viking. This is your lore. Well, yeah, this is the Parlance lore. Yeah. So I'll I'll give you some uh, uh some cursory things. We did a driving tour of the south and Ooh, that's pretty cool. Southeast and um we did the Golden Circle. Yeah, which is the a part of the tour where you see like these three or four things that are very popular amongst the tourists, which includes a geyser, which of uh, shortly after we left a uh, Chilean artist died pink and got arrested. Um, what? Wait, you didn't see him get arrested? No, I didn't see him get arrested. Uh, Tom Brewer, the guy, the pink Tom, guy. No, Tom Brewer, our number one fan posted it on my Facebook page saying, Hey, look at, check out what happened. Oh, like, what? Three days after we were there. He got We're getting some tweets from him, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, he was uh, saying born with breakfast, uh, but nothing on Mayweather versus Pacquiao. Yeah, Pacquiao. Jeez, he's just thrown in some boxing references. Well, yeah. guess what? Oh, yeah, I forgot that's boxing. Yeah. And then uh, turning turning into a show for and by alcoholics hashtag booze. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Cheers. Whoa. Cheers. Whoa. Yeah, cheers. Sorry, sorry, oh. we didn't bring any Heineken for you. Yeah, Tom, you don't get you don't get any ring maze Norwegian pilsner. So, so yeah, like so I, this driving tour. 
So we did driving it? tour. Uh, we uh, you hit the it, there's a geyser. Some uh, I don't even know how to say it, but it's like Pingvillair National Park, which is a uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site, which is quite interesting to look at. Um, and then there is the uh, what was the other? Uh, oh, uh, the this the Gulfos Falls, which is probably the one of the most dramatic waterfalls I've ever seen in my really? life. Yeah, it's What's a pretty dramatic about it. It's two tiered. Okay, uh, I'll I'll send you a link to what it looks like, um, and it's like two kilometers wide. It's a it's a pretty impressive uh, looking falls, and it's really hard to capture. And because it was so still snowy and icy there, um, you couldn't do one of the um, the the paths that gets you very close to it because you would have fallen into the to the water. Because like I, I said, it was still it was still snowy there in some areas but that i just sent you a link i posted it on our facebook page but you don't get the scale here but like i said if you look at what i'm showing you that's two kilometers across so, oh, that's pretty cool yeah it's huge that so yeah it looks like it's just a stream i know right but it's it's huge it's a huge 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 waterfall um so then uh we uh kept continued heading uh, east along the island we uh, did the Skaftafell and Vatna Jokul, um, the national park. We did uh, snow. We did snowmobiling on the top of this glacier, and uh, it was really, really interesting. So uh, we took a jeep to the one point, and then we got on the. I don't know what they're called, but it's like an Arctic cat. You know what I'm talking about? It's oh, like yeah, a, you mean a snowmobile. It's not a snowmobile. That's how we got to the snowmobiles. It was like a uh, oh, like a it's like a a snowmobile bus. It had like tre- a tread on it, like a yeah. tank, but no no ski like individual skis. It was like a it was very armored tank like with tre- like army treads or whatever yeah, on like a. Cool. And we got up, got to the thing, and they just leave them up there overnight. I mean, it's really far up there, and then uh, all the time, and then we so, went. What? Go ahead. Uh, was this like just you guys or was there anyone else doing these tours? Cause you so, were saying that this is off season. It was the only, we were the only ones. No yeah. way. That's pretty cool. Did you get extra attention? We did get extra attention. It was like a personalized trip. We got to go all around. Um, we, we normally, if it falls a very predefined path, the tour. Yeah. Um, but he took us off the path and took us all over the place. That's pretty and, awesome. And it was actually quite freaky. It was very cloudy at the at the base of not the base, but where we started to do the 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 tour. Yeah. And if he he said stay twenty yards behind us at all, uh, you know, and it got so foggy and cloudy that. Oh yeah, you he, guys are driving, huh? Yeah, it got right so that. so fa- foggy and cloudy that I lost him. It, what? Like, just twenty yards away. It was crazy. Wait, I thought I thought. Uh... I didn't think you were driving. I was driving. Oh. So I drove like uh, maybe 70% of the trip and, and my wife drove the other 30%. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. cool. So um, the, uh, the, and, uh, the, that is amazing. And so the, it's the largest glacier, or I should say the largest ice field in all of Europe. And it's huge. It takes up probably, I'm going to say, maybe a sixth of the country is this giant ice field. And it has glaciers coming off of it, like essentially what they call tongues. It's glacier-y gla- It's a glacier glacier? So they have tongues coming off of it. You know what I'm talking about? Like little areas where the snow comes down into through caverns. And um, yeah. 
there was we did all these little paths and spurs that took us out very close to each of these like different um glacier tongues and uh when i do put up the photographs uh you'll see what i mean it's it is quite spectacular and there's a um a glacier bay that was uh one of the most amazing things i've ever seen in my life it was beautiful beautiful That's really awesome so uh, the beer was very good. Uh, this food was expensive. It was very hard to keep to my diet because, first off, it's not like everyone speaks English, but if you don't understand, the, it's not the menus are not very sometimes not in English. Did they not have pictures? Uh, no, no. The That's food so was super salty, including the licorice I bought. They have salty licorice, um, like the black licorice. It had it was it was kind yeah. of like salty. Um, then we came back. Uh, we did a lot of stuff. Like I'm, I'm underselling this. It's a beautiful, beautiful country, and um, we did. You're I did see the northern. It and you're like selling it pretty hard. Yeah. I saw the Northern Lights <laughs> twice. Oh yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned that. Um, but they weren't green. I didn't see the green one though. Unfortunately. What, what color was it? It was white. Huh. It was bands. Was it of, all like bandy, or was it just yeah. like cloudy? No, no, no. It was it was no cloud in the sky. It was bands going across, and then you know that I don't know how to say this, but it was like bands, but then it looked like columns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my my wife was sleeping, and I just stayed up and stared at this thing for it was it was mesmerizing. And our it, our hotel was out in the middle of nowhere, so and where they positioned us on the second floor, there was no lights or anything. I literally could just stare out my bedroom window and look at the Northern Lights. Yeah. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Um, and then the, uh, the hours of the hotel, like all of this place is closed way too early. It's like, doesn't even make any sense how, it's like 10 to six, if you're lucky. Yeah. It's more yeah. like 10 to four. Um, and that's like retail and everything, all the museums. Yeah, even I, I remember in, uh, the Netherlands, like even the grocery stores are closed and then like they have one 24 hour grocery store and everything is like double the price. Exactly. It's, it's terrible. Um, and then this weird thing. So we went to this other town and I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was lots of natural springs and, um, and essentially in our back, uh, like in our hotel, they had a naturally geothermal sauna. That's cool. Which was awesome. And it was so hot, but it was so, it was like awesome. <laughs> and um, naturally uh, heated, uh, they called them hot pots, but here we would call them probably like a jacuzzi or whatever. But yeah. essentially a, a, a little How do they say hot pot? I don't know. I mean, can hot you do an accent? They do. I can't do an accent. Just they hot just pot. Go, hot pot. Yeah, we have a hot pot here. So, um, and that was awesome. And that town was great. But I was. I had this. Uh, they have this bread which is called like, and I. It's called. It looks like. It looks like rugbrow, right? So like rugbrow, you would say it like that. Oh, you mean the word the yeah. letters? Yeah. yeah, but it looks like rugbrow, like b r a u with the o with that little thing on top of it. Yeah. Uh, it's an Icelandic uh, rye bread, which is actually, so they, what they have there, I don't know if you know this, but they have uh, geothermal ovens. So they, oh, cook, that's pretty cool. so they cook these breads, this type of bread in a, they call it a hot spring bread. Okay. And uh, so traditionally it's, it's cooked in a hot, in the, in the hot spring. And so this hotel actually had their own version of it. 
that they actually cooked in their own geothermal oven that they had in front of the the building. Nice. Was it good? It was okay. So I had started eating this before um, because I bought it in a grocery store because it looked good and I had been eating it and I didn't, and I was like, I was really gassy. Okay. And, (laughs) and it wasn't, and it wasn't like, it was like super gassy. And luckily we were in an area that had like volcanic activity. So you could smell some sulfur, but there was like really gassy and it was sulfurous gas. And I found out later um, as, when I looked up this Rugbrau, which by the way, um, the, the, the hotel had their own, it was super good, but I had been eating it. Like I said, like a, like a, almost like a candy bar or later. Um, and, um, the, the, it says here in the Wikipedia, which I found out later, excessive consumption of this bread is said to cause flatulence, earning the nickname <laughs> Plumari, which translates as thunderbread. So essentially, I was eating like a candy bar, thunderbread the whole time. So uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty interesting, but super super delicious. It's um, if you want to look it up, uh, listeners, it's, it looks like rug R U G, but the U has a little thing on top of it, and then B R A U O, and the O has like a cross. It almost like a D, but it's like it's a I don't know how you I don't know how you write these Icelandic words or whatever, That's but cool. um, super good. It was delicious. Uh, so that was uh, I, oh, and then I fell hard. I bit it hard. Oh no! Uh, oh yeah, and then you you brought home uh, battle scars. I brought home some battle scars. You can't really see them anymore, but my hand. Oh, you could kind of see them actually. The cuts on my hand. Um, and my knees a little messed up. I fell. And then uh, we did the Blue Lagoon, which is a... a I know, that's what I want to do. That sounds cool. The Blue Lagoon is... It is world-class. It is Did the, you do, like, in the early morning or whatever, like you're supposed to? No, we got there because um, we had we were doing some tours before it, uh, like just driving around. We got there around 1.45 in the afternoon, and we got a water massage. What? In the Blue Lagoon? Yeah. It was pretty cool. That is cool. You sit on a mat and you float in this water. Yeah. And they put a hot towel over you in the water. Like Wait, essentially. are they in the water too then? Yes. And they massage you in the water. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Is it part of like a thing or are there just like floating massage people around like, you want a massage? You want a massage? No, no. We paid in it. We paid to, to get it and had a specific time to do it. And oh, it was, yeah. And it was very expensive. <laughs> Wait, was it in like a section of the Blue Lagoon thing? Yeah, it was like a, a massage area. Oh, really? Yeah. Was yeah. there anyone else there? Yeah, there was maybe five other people doing it at any given time. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was awesome and worth it and worth every extra penny we paid. No, that you sounds can, awesome. I mean, vacations, you, man. Sounds you can like- look it up and see how much it is and decide if you want to do it. But I will tell you right now the price that we paid was absolutely worth it. It's it's a water massage. Plus with that, you get the towel and the robe because it's it was uh, you get 30, no, it was 35 degrees out at the time with, oh, a, yeah, I know with, that's a, with a 20 mile an hour wind. And <laughs> well, it was windy too? It, it was super windy. And uh, the real feel is going to be like zero. Right. So you, I was actually worried because I was like, if we we're going to be sitting in the water getting this massage, it's going to be freezing cold. But Wait, was the water warm at least? The water is like 40 degrees Celsius. Oh, 
That's still cold. No, it's not. It's definitely not. Oh, Celsius, Celsius. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What it's for? 40 degrees Celsius is 104 degrees. Yeah, that's pretty hot. Yeah. Um, and it gets, I think actually they say it's 38, but there are, po there are pockets that get super way hotter than the average temperature. So, um, but definitely worth it. Um, so then we then went into, got back to Reykjavik on our way out. We did a whale tour. Uh, yeah. Like, cause I, oh, cause did you run into Bjork? No, I did not run into Bjork. Oh, uh, this is disappointing. Nor did I run into uh, Jonesy from Seor uh, Ross. Oh yeah. But um, uh, we went on this whale tour, which I will now describe as a vomitorium. <laughs> yeah. So, so the previous day's whaling excursion was canceled due to waves and rough, rough ocean. Due to vicious whales. <laughs> vicious whales. They, by the way, they whale there. I don't know if you know this. They hunt and kill two, over 200 whales. A minke whale. Oh, yeah. They cut, hunt and kill them there, and they eat them there. So if you're down by the docker, in many places, you could order whale meat to eat, which I refuse because I think it's completely wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, and on top of that, you could also eat puffin, if you so choose, because they serve puffin. puffin. Puffin is that cute little bird that kind of looks like a penguin, but it doesn't. Look oh, it up. Yeah. P-U-F-F-I-N. It's you on think a it tastes good? I don't know. I didn't order it because I don't eat that shit. I don't eat that shit. And I, I kind of refused my wife to she couldn't I made her she couldn't eat it. I didn't allow her to eat it. Oh really? Yeah, because I feel like just like the whale and the puffin, I yeah. feel like if tourists didn't eat it, then they wouldn't have a market for it. So it's my responsibility to not order that and eat it because I feel like if I, by me doing that and coming back and telling people are going to want to do that, it's just going to propagate more deaths of puffin and I mean, whale. I kind of want to do it. So, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't think so. Um, the, 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 I didn't do that. So back to the vomitorium. So they had, I should have known because as we were entering the boat, the guy was like, do you get seasick? He was like, a, like an Irish, I don't even know if he's Irish or whatever, but he didn't sound Norwegian at all, or I'm sorry, Icelandic. He asked if we got seasick. I go, no, I don't, I don't really get seasick. And, uh, and um, I was like, but you know what, I'll take one of the pills because they were handing out pills, Dramamine. Oh, yeah, like Dramamine or something? Yeah, so I dropped one. I dropped the pill, and uh, I, we got out there, and people just started barfing. Was they it like were, that wavy? It was, I would say, between 10 and 15 foot waves. And it got really bad when we found a whale, which we did find a whale, a minky, a minky whale. Um, oh, yeah. The ones that they eat, which was exciting. Um, they didn't catch it? No, they didn't catch it. But I'm, my point is, is you don't see minky whales here. We could see, like, orcas and... The better whales? <laughs> well, they, they, that's the thing. They have a huge whale population. It's just that it's a little early in the season. Oh yeah. So, so we were able to see one of the whales that's actually there year round. Um, and uh, anyway, we did get, and I got, I was one of the only people on the boat that got lucky. I got a, I got an awesome photo of it. Oh, nice. Yeah. And matter of fact, I sh there were those British guys, like these two people, they were all sitting next to us on the thing. And they were like, they, they were, they were like talking how they didn't get it. And then I, I found it. I, I showed, I'm like, Hey, I got a photo. So I showed it to them. Yeah. And, and the guy, other guy who was like seasick, I sh he's like, show it to my, whatever, Eugene or whatever, this other guy. So I yeah. showed it to Eugene who is British. And I swear to God, I've never heard a British guy say this. 
He goes, blimey! <laughs> like for like a real reaction. Yeah, for a real reaction. Blimey! That's a whale. Anyway, um, but anyway, we were we were um, which I will post, and everyone could see that image of the minky whale that we saw. Um, but yeah, like I said, we were on the thing, and people were just. I started hearing it. And then I started smelling it. So I had a pee. So I went over to the bathroom. There was a multiple <laughs> yeah. bathroom. And I just smelled vomit. I'm like, what is that stink? And I opened the bathroom door. Yeah. And the, the sink was filled with vomit. Oh, that's gross. The floor was covered in vomit. And there was vomit all over the seat. So I, I didn't even go in. And then there was vomit. All, you know, people were like sticking their heads off the side and vomiting off the side. Yeah. But, but it was still splashing on like the edges. So there was, oh, so gross. there was vomits on the edges. And then when the whale, the whale showed up, people were um, up on top there, you know, like getting a view of the whale. Yeah. You know, I was walking up there and there was just vomit all over the top deck. There's just like, yeah. So it was like, you know, That's when they good. like, you know, when they were saying like, Swab the deck, mateys. Now <laughs> I understand why they had to swab the deck. The people had to come out with hoses and literally hose down the vomit off the deck. Um, but when, so it got really bad when we stopped to get the whale. Okay. Because we were like still and the, oh, the, boat, then the, wind. the boat was like, kind of like going way up and down. And then, so normally you're kind of going with the waves. So the, like you're going this way and, yeah, the waves, so then you stay, yeah. and the waves are coming like this, but when you would follow the, the whale, you would turn so that the, the side of the ship would be going like this. So instead of the boat going up down like this, it was going yeah. right like this. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. It w- I, here's the thing. I don't get seasick at all, but even I was like, holy, holy crap, dude. This is like a crazy... The, <laughs> boat, the boat was going almost like, uh, what's the 45-degree angle? Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Uh, so, How many yeah. people were on it? I would say there was... I think they said how many people were on it, 37 or 35 or something like that, but the boat usually holds up over 130 or something. Oh, really? So it was like only a third full? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the boat tour. We got off and left the town, and then we flew over to Norway. So I don't know if you people know this, but there is a large percentage of Norwegians that live in the Ballard area here in Seattle. Oh, yeah. Dude, Scandinavian. Yeah, so it's fascinating because Norway really felt like Pacific Northwest, and it does have a Ballard feel. Do they have a lot of uh, Volvos? <laughs> I didn't see any Volvos. Is Volvo a... Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> but man, Norway is a very beautiful country. We had a good time, did a lot of shopping. Uh, did you know Heli Hansen is a uh, Norwegian brand? I was aware of that. And I uh, I bought some beers here, so you could see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking it still. My Ringness Norge. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, uh, we, we spent some time in the city looking at various sites. Uh, on the last day, we got out of the city in a rental. We had a rental car and uh, drove down the Oslo Fjord, which is, and uh, explored a couple different regions, some old forts. Oh, um, old forts? That's awesome. Yeah. So it was pretty good. Forts? Uh, it was, yeah, but they were Norwegian. They weren't like tourists. They were actual like locals. But, so were they like places that like were procured or was it just like ruins? No, it was uh, so they were they were like they were originally very early uh, settlements, like in the 1300s and 1400s. But you know, uh, they became more strategic during World War II, so they were battlements and stuff like that as well. So they but kind no, of I mean, more. Was it like like uh, 
place to go like it's all has like a ticket booth and like no 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 no, no 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 it's just like ruins like it's just out there and then like it's actually like a fortified there. city and you could just drive into it and then walk around oh cool 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 yeah it's yeah. awesome yeah so uh yeah no there was no ticket booths this was very untouristy but it was actually uh most of the people if not every single person we were that was there were norwegians just enjoying a sunday afternoon and yeah, us that's cool yeah, so this was like not like a typical, t- first off, it's a little shoulder, like I said, but it's also not like a very popular place where people go. So I'd read like great day trips to do or whatever. So we had kind of, I and then we did some, uh, you know, vamping on that. I found a little book that was uh, in that town, that fortified city. It was called Fed- Frederikstad. Yeah. was the name of the town. And um, I found a book that was like in Norwegian, but did have a bit of, of English translation. Yeah, and uh, I found this like it's called the Havel. I don't know how you say it, but it would be H V A L E R. So Havaler, Valer, or whatever. Yeah, Nas- National Park was only like thirty-five minutes south of where we were, and it took us right on this crazy scenic route over these bridges and water inlets and stuff. It was really amazing, and we got there, and then we walked out to this. In- we parked in this national park, and then walked out, and there was like these spectacular beaches with, I could imagine in the summer, cause there was like little, um, what like do you call it? Things? No, you remember, you, you know, like Goonies when there was like that little like ice cream shop that was all run down. Yeah. But there was like little ice cream shops, but they weren't run down. But like in the summer, I could imagine that being a very popular destination among Norwegians to go and spend like some time on the beach. That's uh, pretty but, cool. but yeah, it was very scenic. I have a lot of great pictures there. So uh yeah and then we came back did a little bit and then we flew home and that was it so it was a it was a it was a wonderful trip and if you if anyone has any questions that they want to know about what we did more specifically about regions and things like that just feel free to reach out at fresh and par and i'll be more than happy to tell you you know some some top tips for either iceland or norway for where we had been um it was a it was a wonderful trip i really recommend everyone to go out there um i was disappointed that i didn't get to see the green northern lights like the really high activity stuff but at least i saw i could say i saw it now you know i i don't feel like it's like uh it's off my bucket list if you will nice so um but that that was the the trip uh and then i came back to work that's it we came back on monday and it's like a nine hour time difference in oslo uh so and that was our last thing so we we land we went from oslo to Reykjavik, then back to seattle and we left the flight. Our flight took off in Reykjavik at 5 p.m. We landed here at 5.45 p.m. So even though we were in the air seven hours, we only were like 45 minutes technically. I know. That's pretty cool. I like, I like when that happens. So I try to stay up that whole flight. Um, I watched Interstellar again, by the way. Um, Not even that good of a movie. I know. I know. I know. But actually, I found some flaws in it again. But overall, like it lived up to like I still thought it was a good movie. Yeah, um, I mean, as as a movie, I guess. But yeah, I don't yeah. like it. There was one stupid scene where where I forgot, and I the second time around, I was like, "That is stupid." There's where, so many stupid scenes. No, there's this one in particular. There, there's a monologue with um, what's her face, the girl character. I forget her name now. Where she starts talking about how love is a trans-dimensional thing. Yeah, because no, that was so dumb. That was like the premise of the movie basically because he used that too that's how he found his daughter terrible terrible so anyway um so that was 
that. So Thunderbread, that, I wonder what we should call this Thunderbread. That's the episode name. <laughs> Thunderbread? Yeah. We gotta find a picture of it. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's get right into the old... Yeah, um, I would, I'd shout out to... Uh, got some people listening. We're getting some tweets from Tom. And uh, say hi to some, my friend Rayco listening in. What's uh, uh, what are they what are they saying? Should, uh, tweet us uh, tweet us up or hit us up on various social media outlets. But any, any, oh, I'm seeing here. Uh, ooh, Tom is crazy jealous that is. I've seen the Northern Lights and he hasn't. Hey, guess what, Tom? You're on my you're on my bucket list right now since you said I'm going to be replaced by Graham. Jeez, <laughs> I put hashtag I know right. <laughs> so but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know he's. He was a program. I mean, we're talking about Record Store Day, yeah, and uh, some other cool stuff. He had he had the candle going on. <laughs> I love this one. Show topics: booze, vomit, and whales. Uh, visions at night. Uh, you know, more like Tom's like every Saturday night with Tom: booze, vomit, and whales. That's like his Saturday night every week. Hi-o. Hey, oh, 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 vomit and whales. <laughs> um. <laughs> So uh, I read this interesting article, Jeremy. Oh man, which one? So, so many. There is a lot of them. Hey, has the Tesla announce, ha- announcement happened yet? Yeah, it's over. It would like started around uh, nine fifteen. It was alright. I I side watched it, and? but um, it's just like his battery system thing. It wasn't super eventful. Hmm. Hmm. Apparently, it's like a. Uh, a hundred kilowatts, though, which is cool, I guess. But so I wasn't it, sure. Huh? Does it have to work with the solar, or could you just have? How does it work? No, you could just have it too, for okay. peak energy time. I mean, I I didn't hear it. I was just watching it, so I'm not positive. But yeah. I'm gonna go hey, review it. Hey, so you know the uh, Avengers movie starts right now. People are out there watching. Oh it. yeah, that's right. Thursday night. It's weird. I know. Well, I think there's 10 p.m. shows and midnight shows, which is traditionally standard for these big kind of yeah i guess that's true because technically midnight is like tomorrow for the movie to come out yeah um and then tomorrow speaking of tomorrow may day is tomorrow oh yeah so i saw there's a whole bunch of protests planned throughout the city yeah i mean i bet it'll be more uh more intense with this police stuff too so i heard that in even is it related i heard in your neck of the woods they're they're going to do a black lives matter uh, protest at 10:30 a.m. in and, the morning. Yeah, and they're going to work their way downtown to the federal courthouse. That's like super far. Like you know, I don't know. Maybe they have a van. I'm not sure, but uh, cool. that's what I, I heard. I hope it goes well. I mean, like it's peaceful and makes a good statement. Right. I hope it's peaceful. But they also said that the the the, the groups that had notoriously been the ones that have been a little more rowdy. Yeah, um, will be participating as well. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so back to the uh, the article I read while in Beatles uh, man Oslo, the pine beetle epidemic. I don't know if you're familiar with this, folks, but you should definitely uh, take a look at this uh, another side effect of global warming. And advancements, sort of in technology, I guess, is a, it's a double, double, double combo here. <laughs> so essentially, the pine beetle is a native species to the—I uh, don't want to say Pacific Northwest, but the western coast of British Columbia. 
Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, I thought it was from more south. No, uh, it's it's it was it's more western coast, but the the impact... I thought it was more south, and it was moving north because of uh, climate change. No, it was more west, and it's moving east, oh. and and now moving south. So, um, it's like uh, the effects will be are felt here in Washington State, as well as Colorado, and as far south as New Mexico. But really, what's going to happen now is the uh, the it's in the the north in BC in the Calgary region, in the, the Rocky Mountain, or whatever, what are they called? The Canadian Rockies. Yeah. Um, that whole region is in severe threat of, of this new beetle. And you're asking, okay, Peter, what does that mean? Yeah, that's, I was just about to ask that. So this is a native species. It's not a, you know, oh, it was on the, in the hull of a Asian cargo ship and got dropped, much like the purple varnish clam, which we talked about here before. Um, yeah. The this species is thriving because of two factors. One is that the we have been become so proficient at putting out forest fires that because they aren't they don't burn as much as they have, it's giving them more habitat to to take. But two, uh, these pine beetles used to get killed off due to deep freeze. Oh, and because yeah. of global warming, deep freezes don't haven't been happening as much. It's been a more moderate temperature, even just like one or two degrees. So essentially, these if you go into the woods now and you see a brownish tree, yeah, this is a dead tree that's been killed by the pine the pine beetle. So and, do they uh, like use the tree or anything, or like is it just to kill it? They go into the so it's they actually in this article they go pretty extensively into how this works, but. Um, there are natural defenses. Uh, uh, trees have resin of or whatever sort uh, yeah. to normally protect them from beetles and infestations. But I guess what happens here is that uh, they kind of do a um, uh, they spread themselves out, right? And then when a beetle, a f- whatever the female, male, or whatever hits the tree, and they find one that's susceptible or slightly more susceptible to uh, attack, yeah, normally one beetle can't kill a tree. But when a beetle hits a tree, it releases a pheromone. And then because there hasn't been a kill-off, all the beetles come to that one area where the pheromone has been released. And and they overwhelm the tree. And then they lay eggs in the tree. So these trees turn brown. So if you look at that article in that, in that, the article I sent you, if you look at the, you see that those brown patches in there? So basically it's saying that it doesn't even eat them or anything. It's just using them to live. And then they it dies. It, yeah, it goes in there, they lay the eggs, it eats the trees out from the inside out, and then the tree eventually dies and falls over. There's been a number of um, uh, situations where trees have been falling on people and houses and cars and stuff. Uh, there's been places in the in the south of America, like southwest America, uh, where there used to be massive forests and they're now just prairies. Um, so the, the this is like going to continue to happen. So preemptively, they've been in the north of Canada, they've been burning off forest. Large really? areas, yeah, kilom- like hundreds of kilometers of forest to create gaps that will not allow the, the beetle to jump from... That's a crazy strategy. I mean, I guess they do that in for forest fires too. Yeah, so they've been doing these crazy strategies. They've been burning areas where they know the beetles are. The beetles have traditionally only attacked a certain type of tree, but now that they've, they've, because their uh, population has grown exponentially over the last 10 to 20 years, uh, they're now attacking other pine trees 
Because um, they, yeah, they need more spaces. They need more space. They, yeah, exactly. And they just got to use some poison. Well, that's the thing. They can't, it's just, it's, it's not, you can't really poison everything because it would poison the entire ecosystem because it's not like a farm. It's our forest. Nanobots. Nanobots. Now, here is very something very interesting. As well as forest fires, they're also chopping down effect, infected trees. Yeah. And the infected trees that uh, get hit with the beetles uh, get this fungus that's a symbiotic relationship with the beetle, yeah. which kind of tints the, uh, the, the, the hue of the wood blue. Oh, what? That sounds cool. So there's now this secondary industry of this, even though it's not like primary grade wood, it can't be used for building houses or whatever, but it can be used for cosmetic furniture, cabinetry, et cetera, et cetera. Like blue wood. Yeah. So um, as a matter of fact, they talk about two people who have blue uh, made instruments as a way to show um, a solidarity or with whatever. It's like not solidarity. What's the word I'm looking for to bring attention to this, uh, this, this this epidemic and one of them is Jack Johnson who I don't know if you know who Jack Johnson is but he has a blue maple or blue pine guitar and yeah. Al, Al Gore has a blue um, Wait, so what does that say then? I mean, it means that you support Beatles? Or no, what? it's trying to bring attention to the fact that this blue wood is caused by global warming. Oh, but it's caused by the Beatles, right? Yeah, but the Beatles, in effect, are growing crazily because of global warming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's why Al Gore has an instrument made of it, because, you know, Al Gore is the god, the spokes, the global spokesman for, um, for, uh, climate climate change. By the way, I went in Oslo, which is the home of the Nobel, the Nobel Prize. I went to the Nobel Peace Prize Museum, and I saw all sorts of stuff about Al Gore. Really? Yeah. Wait, did he get a Peace Prize? He did. He got it in, like, 2000, I want to say 2006 four or five for his uh, efforts in climate change. That's pretty cool. Uh, By the way, so Obama got a peace prize. Really? Um, Yeah. In 2009. That's cool. I I don't, I guess I don't track the Nobel peace prizes very closely. And uh, last year. So it's sometimes it's one person. Sometimes it's multiple persons. Uh, Last year was the, the Iranian girl who got shot in the head. She's the youngest ever 17 years old. She got it. And, uh, a Indian guy got it for his help with children. Um, and he's the first ever native Indian to ever get the Nobel Peace Prize. So there was kind of milestone stuff. Um, it's pretty cool. Last year. Yeah, the, actually that museum is very interesting. Um, it's, it just talks about all of the, you know, the people who've won it. They have two, so they have a big room full of, uh, like a portfolio, if you will, of photos of the two winners like a huge gallery of photos of the two winners. And they talk about how they got to where they are, what they've done to become uh, winners for the, uh, the Nobel peace prize. They also had a, well, in the, in the wake of actually what we just recently see, have seen in Baltimore, actually time magazine. Have you seen the new time magazine cover? It says, welcome to 1964 scratch out. Oh yeah. Yeah. And 2015. Um, Last year was the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr. getting the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, yeah. So they had a whole room dedicated to that, and they had the whole selection process and how he was nominated and, and, uh, and the, the dossier. Because I guess every person who's nominated gets a dossier written about them on why, yeah. they, sh- why they should be uh, the winner. And they had that there so you could read the original document. Um, of course, it was in Norwegian, but uh, you could look <laughs> at it. Um, that's cool. 
But yeah, but, um, so anyway, the, so these pine beetles, it's a, yeah. it's a serious issue. Um, they seem to have sort of mildly contained it in the north by selective fires and... Yeah, we went over the fire part. In the, I think we're going to switch it up because we right. still got to get to the movie. Um, we got my, a lot of other stuff. What other stuff do we have? Pine beetles. I at least oh. want to mention that the Apple Watch came out because that came out like since last time we had a show. And uh, a friend at work has one. I haven't got to mess around with yet, but apparently it doesn't work with tattoos. If you had read that. So I, tattoos break the Apple Watch. I saw like, a, again. I saw a person um, who had an Apple tattoo on their wrist. Yeah, no, that's like, what it was. The Apple tattoo on your wrist and then your Apple Watch won't work because yeah. uh, it can't handle having the tattoo there for the heart meter. Apple fail. This is almost as bad as the antenna antenna thing. But uh, I also wanted to mention about the Kickstarter for the the fart tracking wearable, which is a really good idea. That uh, it's a little 3D printed thing that you keep on your belt, and it uh, looks for traces of farts that you farted, and then it tracks how many farts you have, and like. Uh, tracks like what yeah it's like attached to an app so it tracks what things you eat and it can tell you what things might be causing you to be more gassy uh, and like I'll if tell you, you right have now, allergies to things thunderbread i know yeah exactly it would be able to it would get that in an instant if this kickstarter gets off the ground which by the way that would have been a perfect segue for that story had we thought about it i know but I know. uh yeah there was some other stuff too like um I will, well, anyways, we've got to jump into the movie because we have a lot to talk about that. That's going to be long in itself. And usually we get to that around 10 minutes ago. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, hey, look, I haven't been on air for a long time. I was just on a long vacation, so forgive me. And by the way, I appreciate you pushing me off the Pine Beetle story. So yeah. anyway, it is now the time to do the – it's that time, Jeremy. That yeah, time it's for time for the – Review roulette. Yeah, this is a this is the part of the show where we randomly select the title from the Netflix Netflix catalog. We then review that film the next week, but it's not so much a review, right, Fresher? No, it's we kind of just go over a play by play of the movie. Hashtag spoiler alerts. But we <laughs> do give it a number rating at the end. And well, how many days ago was that? I don't know. A long like weeks, time ago. Yeah, three weeks ago, the movie was the 1975 Robert Redford uh, classic directed by Sidney Pollack. Three Days of the Condor. Which was pretty good. I, I mean, we already... I didn't want to talk about it ahead of time, but we already talked about it a little bit. So, I mean, there was some, you know... We're not going to be as surprised, I feel like, as we could have been if, like, we just brought the stuff up. I don't but, know. I feel like this could... This maybe will enhance our review because I think we don't have to suss out things, in like, on the spot. So, uh, this movie uh, is, feature is starring Robert Redford... Um, a very young Faye Dunaway. Um, is she uh, in other stuff? Yeah, she's in... Dude, she's like mega famous. She's oh, a I very, don't know who that is. Yeah, she's super famous. She was in Network. She was in uh, Chinatown. What? Oh my gosh. Oh, Chinatown. I remember you said that. I mean, she's been in so much stuff, Like, but she was a very big actress at the time. She was in The Towering Inferno, uh, uh, The Eyes of Laura Mars, whatever. It goes it, on and on and on and on. She was a very famous actress. Also, Max von Sydow, who is like, man, he's like a classic bad guy, right? Is that the, oh, is that the glasses guy? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, by the way, Max von Sydow, 
he's in the new Star Wars movie. What? I just read awesome. right now he's in the new Star Wars movie. Faye Dunaway was also in Grey's Anatomy. I know that. I didn't know that. Uh, um, and she was in Cougar Club. And uh, Ghost Never Sleep. Let's see. I don't know any of these other ones. But anyways, so yeah, the story, basically. So first off, the intro, I was already a fan during the intro. The music was way cool. The font was cool. The setup in like the historic like reading thing. And then they have like that crack team of like research people trying to figure out what this Chinese book is with these giant computers. Like the technology in this movie was awesome. It was like super old. <laughs> it was, but it was I, like really cool. It was cutting edge probably for the time. I know. It's crazy just in this whole movie, the premise of like being able to not be found. I mean, like this is like there's no there's like nothing for technology, you know what I mean? Like it's I they know. have to go to pay phones all the time and stuff. I know, I know. And like the classic call someone and if someone picks up, hang up. You yeah, know, like, I know. That's like they were that was like a whole like creepy thing, like <laughs> getting all these calls and no one's like getting it and stuff. Yeah, the whole phone thing was awesome. So but, uh, the the plot of the movie starts off as this is Robert 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 Redford is a spunky uh, analyst for the CIA where he reads books with a team with team members to kind of find uh, coded messages within books that are written around the world. That would yeah. be yeah, and he's like just trying to yeah find out like codes or like strategies from like old stories or whatever I think. But um. Yeah, so yeah, he's this, this crack up team. He goes out to get a sandwich. Everyone gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, he's on the run and he can't trust anyone because they already allude to that, like, you know, he didn't really want to work for the CIA. Oh, it's the CIA, by the way. And, like, you're like, I just can't trust you guys. I don't know how you convinced me to work here. And then he comes back and everyone's dead. And then, like, he calls, like, the home base to be like, what do I do? But then it's an inside job and they're still trying to kill him. Yeah. Hey, speaking of sandwiches, speaking Runaway. of sandwiches, um, you know the scene where Faye Dunaway confronts the CIA uh, operative in the diner? Oh, yeah. She takes the sandwich. She says, you'll get this later, wraps it in paper towels, and then puts it in her purse. Yeah. What happened to that sandwich? That's true. It was in her bag the whole time. I don't God, think anyone ate it. It's totally rotten. It to the guy. You never gave it to that guy. What, what, where did that sandwich go? Why did she take it? What was the deal the with sandwich that? Thing. But so, yes, there was a lot of like little things. Like the story was pretty good, but it wasn't even that important in comparison to just like everything that was happening. Right. So back to the beginning here. We uh, so he comes back. The the it the the all, all of this the way back there. Yeah. Well, the people get killed. He then yeah. goes on the run. He yeah. doesn't know what to do. So yeah. he uh, starts roaming around the city trying to find things. He calls his headquarters as a secret message code. Like, this is common. You're already making this way longer. I already got past this part. <laughs> oh, but wait. But we, just remember, he goes and they set up a thing where yeah. they, he's like, bring Sam. You totally forgot this part. No, and I didn't. I, did, that's, I hadn't got there yet. Oh. So he brings his friend. They, the CIA takes his friend Sam to go meet him to make him trusting. Yeah, but uh, it was like they did it not forcefully. Like uh, Sam didn't know that it was like an inside job, right? And Sam gets killed. Yeah. And now, and then they frame it because he watches it on the news, and they say that it's not CIA, and they say that like the like it was, it was some sort of like delivery thing. But then also internally, when they're doing the review of it, they say that the other guys, they say that uh, the Condor guy killed his friends. 
And the other guy's last words were like, you know, he just killed him or something like that. But they totally made up a story. Right. And so now Robert Redford's character, the Condor, is on the run. He needs help. He doesn't know where to go. So he randomly selects a target who happens to be Kathy, yeah. played by Faye Dunaway. That was pretty smooth, though. Like, he just went in a clothing store, like, hung out like, like he was shopping and listened to their conversation. And then, like, when she went out to the car... He just went like, oh, Kathy, that party or whatever. And she turns around and is like, he's just super nice. And then he's like, you know, don't move. Just drive <laughs> home or whatever. You know what I mean? That was pretty smooth. So anyway, yeah. So now he has Kathy hostage. Kidnapped her. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's kidnapped her. And he's not uh, doing anything devious. Yeah. Her, at he's least. like all confused and stuff. And of course, she doesn't believe him. And she has these weird photos of just like weird stuff. Yeah, well, she's a photographer, and he's like, I love the scene where he looks at it, and she's like, it's winter. He's like, they're so lonely. Yeah. She's like, well, it's winter. He's like, it's not quite winter. <laughs> yeah, he gets it's all deep about like it. November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. The, the chick, was that was weird. Yeah, so the whole, the whole relationship between the Condor character and the Kathy character, which is played by Faye Dunaway, is super weird, because yeah. he, she's like non-compliant at first. Yeah, k- and, kind of, but still is. Right, and then he ties her up. He Robert Redford goes on a, a, a secondary mission to. So to, first he goes. He has to take a nap, and oh, so yeah. he, like he holds her like just down, so he like knows she's not going to run away or whatever. But it's like not sexual or like you know weird or whatever. He's just like holding her. And then, like, yeah, that's the part where, like, right after that, you know, she's all, like, weird. And then he's like, well, I didn't rape you or anything. <laughs> and then she's like, the night is still young. <laughs> was... So anyway, they, he goes off on the side mission, ties up the Kathy character, um, tries to rescue. I didn't even understand. Who was this other girl that he was going to have dinner with with Sam? I don't I have no idea. I think it was one of the other operatives like wives or something, but I still don't get what. Yeah, I didn't get that really. And he runs the scene with the bad guy was cool. Which scene? With the glasses guy? In the elevator coming down? Great scene. Because like I don't think that either of them knew who the other one was. No, he uh, the guy Max von Sydow's character what's his name? Uh uh, Goubert or Joe Bear or whatever, like he he definitely knew that that was Robert Redford. Like, yeah, that was he, super high tension. I that love was... when he picks up the glove and he's like, "Is this your glove?" I, yeah. <laughs> and then it wasn't. Yeah, I and know. They, like made it like a whole like camera shot scene of him like stuffing the glove behind like the railing. That was cool. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he escapes by paying off some people to walk and block him. Uh, to get to, to get his car, and Max von Sydow can't shoot him. Yeah, um, but like the, you know, he does it nonchalantly. It's not like, hey, can you guys like walk around me so I don't get shot? <laughs> right. And what's interesting is is that even though the Joseph Turner or the Condor or whatever was it was an analyst, he was super observant, so he's able to like notice things and and yeah. uh, and escape. And then, like in all of the in all the briefings with like the high ups, when they're like, "Why is this guy so good? Is he trained with firearms?" And he's like, "No." He just reads a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept using his reading skills throughout the movie. I know. Remember, he found the key? 
Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. And he goes to the locksmith and he has these like, I read in the story that there's the number on top here means something. And he's like, how do you know, buddy? You don't know Jack. What are you, a locksmith? I know. And like, yeah, he's like, I no. Money and it totally works. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, he then goes back. He escapes, goes back to the room, unties um, Kathy. And then the weirdest thing happens. This is the weirdest. Yeah, I felt that did not make sense. Also, yeah. We'll so, get to get, yeah. Yeah. So he goes back. He un, like gags her or whatever. And then he brings her out. Oh, they got the phone call first. Oh, right. They have the phone call from her husband asking or her boyfriend where she is. She was supposed to be on a cross-country ski trip. And um, she's late. And she says that like her generator broke on her car. Yeah. Like while she's he's like holding her at gunpoint, basically. Then that happens. She shrugs off. I'll be up there in the morning. Um and, and then, then says, like, I'm gonna leave in the morning. Like I won't bother you anymore. You can but like I have to sleep here tonight. And she's like, oh, really? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I don't even know how that... And then it turns into totally like a sex scene. But it's like... <laughs> it's totally like Fifty Shades style or something. Because like... He's all talking about like... Your your photos say that like... You know... You like want to be alone. But you don't really. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's totally like saying like... You never asked to be untied. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He gets all super deep about it, and then they're like, yeah, just go at it. I always, his, uh, the Robert Redford, the Condor character, yeah. I just think, like, he was the best at always calling bullshit. Yeah, so whenever, yeah. whenever somebody said something, he was like, you're lying. <laughs> you're lying. He was super calm about everything, too. I know. So anyway, they have sex. They have, uh, they make love. And, uh, <laughs> And then, then the scene cuts to him in the morning, like making tea with his shirt unbuttoned, pretty much to his like yeah, with like a chain necklace thing on, and, and he's uh, like drawing pictures, like trying to recap, like with a bunch of facts that like I don't know, like he'd really remember in detail. Like why did he even need to write it down? He's drawing pictures of the doorway to his like you know building or whatever, and then he just pulls out this paper from his pocket that he had the whole time, which was like basically a secret note from the guy who's like trying to kill him or whatever yes yeah and and then uh lauren bacall uh not lauren bacall uh faye dunaway wakes up and uh she gets up and, he, and he's like i'm gonna go yeah he's like i have a plan but i have a plan and i need your help <laughs> and so she's like okay pretty i've already fucked you so i might as well just help you no, you messed it up. I know, but I, yeah, she calls him. That's what I bet was because I didn't think that she said that. She calls herself a spy fucker. <laughs> and then she says, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Which I bet you that she said she called herself a spy fucker. You said, no way. You said she said. What did you think she said? She, I, I was pretty sure that she said, I've already come this far. But it was, I'm a spy fucker. I'll yeah. do what you ask. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> they devise a plan so that she will sneak into the CIA agency, which is in the World Trade Center. Yeah, they have so many like twin tower shots. Yeah, I know. This is this movie actually had more twin tower shots than I think any movie I've ever it seen. It was like a lot. I mean, yeah. they were cool shots, but it was just like a lot. Like overall, yeah. I like the camera work a lot. 
Yeah, so this guy, the director, he's known. He's a very good director. So um, um, anyway, so she sneaks in, gets the guy. She gets a look at the guy, then waits there, follows him out, and then Robert Redford corners him, gets him in a car, throws him down and says, tell me what you know. Yeah. And, and uh, so they go through the whole series of how this this Max von Sydow character is a a hit yeah, man. Basically, he gets the inside thing, so then like they can do an internal audit to find out like what's really happening. Right. So uh, now Robert Redford knows that this guy is working for someone on the inside. He now has to find out who that person is. He starts using his detective work. He gets then he he goes back to the oh, house. Oh. It's worth mentioning. His detective work included doing some awesome phone jacking. Well, I was going to get into that right now. I mean, the one the one at the hotel was cool too. Not when he did the um, other thing. Well, he so had to like well, he had to get the key first from the killer, which yeah. finds out that it's a Holiday Inn. So then he goes to he gets he steals some phone equipment from yeah, some guy on the, li- the line uh, handsets. Yeah, and then he starts doing some crazy like what we would call in the biz freaking, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this he is all talking the lines and like, and then he records the dial tone and then he uses the CIA things to like play back the dial tone and get the numbers. Two, zero, two, four, nine, nine, yeah. three, one, oh, one. I thought it was dumb though, that um, everything was rotary in the movie, except for the phone at the Holiday Inn, which made the dial tones work. I know, I know. That means that, that was whole... like the only like, but it was cool too because later he used the same phone equipment when he was calling the CIA headquarters. He went to like the phone distribution building and just like connected to all the lines, and so like it looked like he was coming from like ten different places on the little like phone tracker chart. And the phone tracker thing was freaking awesome. Yeah, how it was. It was like a uh, what's it that was like microfilm? It was like a microfilm of the entire city, the boroughs of New York, and it was yeah. just like. And it was like just showing like a blown up dude. That was some sweet ass technology. Yeah. No, I mean the tech stuff was pretty. I mean it was totally not real, but it was cool. <laughs> it, you don't think they'd have that? I was like looking at the different. That's names. not how it would work. Like also all of their computer screens. That's not a real font that they use. That was overlaid. Like that looked way higher resolution than a real computer screen. Okay. Also, I was looking at the names of the monitors, like the companies and stuff. I'm wondering. Yeah. It was like Conrack or something, like C-O-N-R-A-C. I was like, geez, were these like famous like computer companies back in like 1978 or whatever? <laughs> I don't um, know. But the technology stuff was super cool. I love in the beginning when he when they're they're having an issue with the computer, and he's like, Hey, this ain't no big deal. I once you know how to do it, it's like you can fix it. Oh yeah, it I know. Like we have service people for that. <laughs> yeah. Um so anyway, he like finds Max Sidow, he then finds the person ultimately responsible in Washington, D.C. He yeah. sends the uh, Faye Dunaway character on her way to Vermont to go meet her boyfriend to go cross-country skiing. Yeah, and she says, like, if you don't get killed, look me up. <laughs> yeah, because you have some features I really like, like your eyes. <laughs> yeah. They're not so much honest, but they're direct. I sure wish I had them. <laughs> yeah, and then she was just out of the movie. Like and that was she, the end of her. And that was the end of her. She was just gone. That was and, good. I mean, I like how they left things kind of open in general. But yeah, then he goes to the house and it's pretty badass the way that he gets the guy to come downstairs. He plays that crazy funk. By the way, there's no way on hell that that straight-laced CIA white guy I had that. radio. 
No, dude, it was a record. It was like oh, a, it was fun- a record. Did you see it with like a pan? There's no way he had that funkadelic record playing. Yeah, but he just went into his office and sat in his chair and then pumped the music. And so the guy had to come down and be like, "What's going on with the music?" Yeah. <laughs> And then he gets him, he's like, pulls out his gun. There was a lot of, like, the side gun, like the classic, like, you hold the gun at, like, your hip. Yeah, and, yeah. And, like, point it at them. And he's like, get over here. And then <laughs> Max von Sydow shows up. And you're and as Robert Redford's getting the, implying the information yeah. of, by the way, if you're in the CIA, you think you would not, like, give up the information just by shaking him. But this guy was, like. All he did was, like, give me the information. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it was me, it was me, it was all about oh, yeah. oil. Yeah, I know, we forgot to mention that it, it's, it was all about oil. Yeah, it was all about oil. Essentially, <laughs> this guy was creating a war in, in the Middle East to take over some oil fields because, hey, you know, we need the oil. Um, so anyway, Max von Sydow shows up, he's like, put the gun down. And so it, this was like a crazy plot twist for me. Yeah, this is like the best part of the movie, pretty much. So why don't you go into it? Because I want. I mean, to... so yeah, the the. I mean, I didn't know their names is a problem. Well, but... uh, Matt, J- Jobert, which was Max von Sydow, shows up. Yeah, and then like you know, he's like, it looks like he's coming to protect the um the CIA, the CIA. guy, not yeah. con- the Condor. And so Condor puts his gun down, and the other guy like they slowly move him over, and like you know, like so he's like totally vulnerable. And then when the um Max whatever guy is like next to the CIA guy, he just straight up shoots him in the head. (laughs) (laughs) And then like the other guy's like, what the hell? And then the guy's all cleaning up and like, did you touch anything else? And he's like, "Uh, no. (laughs) And then he's like, are you, are you going to like kill me? He's like, no, I was just hired to kill this guy. (laughs) And then like, he's, and then he's like, yeah, I mean, and he was like, and this guy was paying me to kill you. So I don't really need to kill you anymore. (laughs) And then they're like all buddy buddy. Like he's explaining like how he's like super good at like being unpredictable and like they're like going super deep into conversations about like this is actually a pretty good job. It's more relaxing than you'd think being a hired hitman. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives him some tips on how to escape. And then he yeah. gives him a and then he gives him a tip. He's like, he's like, one day it'll be the spring. Somebody you know will come in a car and say, Hey, you need a ride? Yeah. And they'll open the door and they'll tell you to come on in. It's okay. And you're going to go in and that's how it will happen. And you'll be taken care of. <laughs> and then he's like, by the way, you need to ride back to New York. <laughs> 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 and then he totally gets a ride back to New York. <laughs> well, he gave him a gun first though, before he got in the car. He gave, him, back he did give him a gun before he got in the car. He's like, here's the gun. I'll take you. I'll give you a ride back. So, and then, so then this is the very, the final kind of like quote unquote yeah. epilogue, the, uh, the actual, the good guy, but was he a good guy? I know. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. because I think they showed that part right before the scene where he joined the inside secret agency. Right. And, and so like they needed a new guy. And so he was like going to be the new inside secret agent guy. So the guy that he was working, the the Condor, the Robert Redford character was working with to kind of root out the the, the kind of inner workings of the CIA that were doing these things. Um, he shows up, smile on his face. Hey, come on in, have a ride. And Robert Redford's like, no, come with me because he now knows yeah. that his life is in jeopardy. And he's like, and the guy's like, what was going to happen? This was all about oil. This was all about a war. In the- yeah, they go over the thing like, and then he's yeah. like, you can't, yeah. 
He's like, if it's not oil, it's food. If it's not food, it's plutonium. Yeah. Like he's like, but by the time people need it, you don't need to ask for them to ask for it. They're gonna just want it. So we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it the way we want to do it. And Robert Redford's like, I just had a conversation. Look over there, and they show over there, and it's like New York Times. Yeah, because he's like, because he's like, I think that I'm gonna stay out of this, and he's like, you don't really have a choice. Where else are you gonna go? And then he's like, I told them everything, and he turns around, and it's like New York Times. And then yeah. he's all like big, and the other guy's like, oh man, you made a big mistake. But then he goes, then this is, the, I thought this was like the best, I thought this, I thought the last two scenes, the one where he, Max on side out is yeah, like. I know, yeah. And then this guy, he's like, are you sure it's going to run? Yeah, are you sure it's going to get printed? Yeah. Are you sure it's going to get printed? He's like, oh, it'll be printed. Oh, I know. Be printed. And he's then like, the, he's saying, oh, it'll be printed as he's walking away and they like they keep saying are you sure i just really wanted him because he walked by one of those newsstands like that was just on the street i wanted him to pick up the paper and be yeah i'm sure but and then like more open than that and like he walks by like a thing freeze frame goes to black and white credits roll and we're like what the fuck i know yeah yeah and uh, so here's the, the two things that I love is that I thought the Max von Sydow character that Jobert, the hit, hired hitman, yeah, he, I thought, was just a brilliant character. Yeah, he was pretty good. Like, he was just like, I respect you. It's, don't take this per- don't take what happened earlier personally. Even I though just, he killed, like, all of his friends. I that know. That was the other thing that I was thinking, like, well, I guess maybe he doesn't know that he killed them directly, but, like... Yeah. He's, and he's just like he was just like, I just do what I'm paid to do and I'm not paid to kill you, but I respect yeah. you. Here's and he says like, I don't pick either side. That's, it makes it a lot easier if you don't care about the side. Right. And, and Robert Redford's like, I was born in the USA. I love oh, yeah. the USA. <laughs> but like, um, um, I thought that's, I just, that was like, ref- I don't know why, but like, that was good. it just felt refreshing to me to see like this character just be like, it, We've seen this morally ambivalent character in a number of places, but I don't know why in this movie it just seemed to work better. Yeah, it was um, pretty good. Because I think that Max von Sydow, he plays the heavy, and by I mean the heavy, I mean like the bad guy, and, and that's been his thing through his career. Like, I see that he's going to be in this new, uh, the new Star Wars movie this winter. Like, I'm certain he's going to be something with the Empire. I like, I know for a fact, there's yeah, no, ch- yeah, sure. you know what I'm saying? Um, by the way, Swedish, just so you know, he's a Swedish. Like a Swedish? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, it was, that was refreshing. And then at the end, the ambiguity where like Robert Redford thinks he gets away, but the CIA's guy's like, are you really sure you did? Are I know. You- yeah, Cause I was wondering how I was going to get away anyways. I didn't even see the New York times thing coming. Yeah. So happen. man, I thought this was a really good movie. Yeah. I, it, I feel like I thought I had seen this movie, like because I I wasn't really sure, but I thought I had seen it, but I definitely didn't see it, or at least I, I feel never like saw. This is actually this is very similar to that other movie that we watched that sucked. Was the one about the gambling guy with uh, oh the Michael Caine movie or not Michael yeah. Caine? Uh, uh, Michael, oh yeah, Maybe yeah, because they were the same era, but it, like the whole like single person being like against everything or whatever too except for his against everything was just he wanted to gamble right uh, yeah no this movie was light years way better. better way yeah. better that other one was like not good at all yeah <laughs> <laughs> this was a really this was a really good film um i'm ready so, to i'm ready to review it i'm ready to give what, you a number what do you, 
What are you giving it? I am going to give it a seven and a half. Oh, that's what I gave it to you. What? Whoa. Yeah, all right. 7.5. So my thought was I was going to give it an eight, but I thought that some of it was like a little bit slow. And like to new movie standards, I don't know if it like, it wasn't ridiculous enough to like want to be like, oh, this was awesome. But it was like a good movie overall. So I would definitely tell people to watch it. So I didn't want to give it a seven. It was more than the seven, but 7.5 is where I came to rest. I I agree 100% with you. Like I it here's the thing. It it's the plot itself was really light. Yeah. Right? But the the overall execution um and the way that the they played with the characters that that, that drop in and drop out and just change over time through the course of this film and Robert Redford just trying to be a good person or and I I I feel like I've seen Every character in this movie I've seen done better in other movies. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like the astute CIA operative. Yeah, totally. It's like a way over, like they do that plot so much. Right. I've seen that character in a number of films done a little bit better, but I think because of all of the little pieces that, that, that were different, like the Faye Dunaway character, the Max von Sydow character, and then that moral ambiguity at the very end with the guy who was good, but he's now bad. Um, yeah, I think that's what makes this movie very special, but I'm with you. The overall narrative thread to me was very light. It was a very light. Oh, it was about oil. Like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> There's a war in the middle East. Like, I just feel like maybe it's, we, we see a little bit more in depth and the fact that we've been to for war in the middle East now twice since this movie has been made. Yeah. Um, maybe that makes it a little less impactful, but yeah, d- definitely a, a great film, and I really recommend anyone out there if you have a Netflix uh, a Netflix you know account to to stream this. Yeah, Three Days of the Condor. But yeah. we got to pick the next movie. That is true. So what do you want to do? You want to do Rotten Tomatoes Fresh? Sci-Fi. I'm on that one. Should we just do the whole thing? The whole shebang. Rotten Tomatoes Fresh. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's do I'm one. It. You- I'm pressing it. What'd you get? Computer chess. It's 2013, but it's black and white looking. This comic period piece set before PCs became commonplace. Wait, oh. Wait, I read it in the wrong intonation. This comic period piece set before PCs became commonplace centers on a 19... What? It seems there's going to be a comma or something. Anyways, 1980s chess tournament in which human competitors get their first crack at testing their skills against a machine. So it's just about chess. It's not a chess movie. I feel like we've already watched like two chess movies. Yeah. Um, so the movie I got was... Hold on. Sorry. I got The World's Fastest Indian. <laughs> Another Indian one? Uh, no, it's not. It's starring Anthony Hopkins from 2005. This fact-based drama stars Anthony Hopkins as quirky New Zealander Burt Monroe, a, a, a 67-year-old grandfather who flies across Utah's Bonneville salt flats and blazes into the record books at 183.586 miles per hour on its customized Indian Scout motorcycle. Set in 1967, this film is a second-pairing of Hopkins and writer-directors Roger Donaldson's Roger Donaldson. The duo also collaborate in the seafaring epic The Bounty, 1984. 
I, I feel like I feel the same about both of them. Neither of them are like I don't want to see, but neither of them are like that cool. Should we just pick another? Should we try again? Should we just try another one? I don't know. Can we do that? Yeah, we could do that. Why not? All right. This is I don't know. Okay. Choose another random title from. Yeah, I don't. Those were. Up. Oh, I've seen this one. They're not horrible, but like. I don't know. I've seen this one. I've got two. I've seen, I've seen two consecutive ones I've seen already. So I'm, after this, I got Wolf. After his release from prison, Dutch Moroccan kickboxer Majid tries to turn his life around using his talents for fighting, but he soon finds himself sucked into criminal world so violent and crushing that it may destroy him. Hmm. I don't know. I actually got one that I kind of wanted to see after I got two that I had already previously seen. Influential and controversial filmmaker John Milius worked on prominent films such as Apocalypse Now and Jaws before being ostracized by Hollywood. Interviews with icons including Steven Spielberg and George Lucas shed light on Milius's life. I still don't know. Oh, it's a documentary about him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that could be cool. How long is it? It's uh, 95 minutes. Oh, yeah, let's do that one. <laughs> okay, it's called Milius. I'm Milius. actually, I'm kind of a little pumped. For this one this i've wanted to see this i guess he also had a lot of input into the star wars original series oh really oh that's kind of cool yeah so that's why i think george lucas is uh mentioned here yeah i mean makes sense all right it's on it's on the list milius we should yep. try to post that somewhere but we haven't really traditionally done that very much <laughs> nope so it's now it's time for the plugs hey everyone you could find us on uh if you, if you really like our show, you could reach out and like our page on Facebook or like our channel on YouTube. Uh, you could also reach us at any time on Twitter or any of the other channels at Fresh and Par. Uh, also, we have a podcast network, the soon-to-be-named network, where we feature some classic uh, shows such as Lombox Heroes, where two gentlemen talk about the latest uh, pool lists and recent episodes of, of uh, comic-related materials. Uh, we have podvocacy which i already talked about earlier in the show i actually listened to my second episode of that today by the way it wasn't that bad but they do spend an inordinate no, it's amount bad. no it's here's the thing they spent like how we much beetle talk did they have they didn't have any beetle talk but they had a lot of batman talk gotham talk so oh, here's yeah. the thing. it's very pop culture centric so if you if you're up to date on like gotham and the flash and all of that stuff then this will be a great a great resource for you um there's also Dadstractions, which can be found at dadstractions.com. That's uh, Leonard and Brian talking about the foibles of being dad in a modern age and being foibles. a The foibles, why? <laughs> um, and then there's also uh, the Prodigal Sons podcast. We had a new episode drop today. I haven't had a chance to listen to that yet. Um, that could be found at prodigalsonspodcast.com. Uh, so uh, that's it. That's all I got for you. How long did we go yeah. today? What, what are we, how, how long are we over? We're, I mean, we're like in the range. Okay. It's like... Ninety minutes or whatever. It's an hour and a half. Boy, you really got me on. I was really going on that Beatles thing. I could probably talk to another ten minutes. I know you. You're repeating some stuff on there. I I'm mean, sorry. I'm sorry. I just was like <laughs> this Beatles thing. I like. Heated. I like your passion. Yeah. So, uh, do you got anything else you want to add to the to the? Think. I'm good. Closing it out. Yeah. So this is uh, Parland saying toodaloo, my friends. This is Fresher saying later, taters. <laughs> <laughs>